Welcome to all the visitors, and uh, we hope uh, they'll get a blessing from uh, worshiping with us today, and that uh, they'll be strengthened in their walk with the Lord and uh, be more faithful to God. Just my uh, tomorrow, you know, the world celebrates Father's Father's Day, and. Uh, they don't make it that big of like the mothers. That's not fair. <laughs> it's uh, it's part of the culture in which we live, and uh, you know uh, the feminist movement. They attack fathers, and it's not hard to be a father these days. When the Hollywood and all the mass media portrays fathers like you know they are the low dumb people that just make fun of them. They don't know anything, man. One day, even my daughter was kind of talking down about boys, and I say, hey, be careful. Be careful with boys, you know. If there were no men, I think you would still walk today. <laughs> Have no cars and no other stuff, because uh, we do... Most of the things that function in the world are designed by men, but, I mean, there is no competition here between men and a woman, and... Uh, um, the, the sad part is with this word, even they have a problem with God being identified as a father, and you know, people have issues even with that. But um, I'll say that uh, it's sad that you know many fathers are affected by that, and they don't stand up and uh, take their role serious. And uh, by God's grace, I think fathers can do a good and a big impact in society. And uh, I have to bring my tribute to my father. He uh, he was a good influence on me. And uh, he uh, told me about life and work and the importance of work. And he gave me a good example. And uh, I think uh, he showed, you know, what God the Father is in a small scale comparing with God the Father. But <clears throat> and... Uh, I think it's good to remember fathers tomorrow. And uh, talking now a little bit about the event that we just commemorated last week, or I mean this week, Wednesday, the passing of uh, Glenn. Um, I'll just give my own take. You know, many were, that was the main thing. It was unexpected because he didn't have any health issues. And from what I know, I know he did not have a heart problem. Um, and uh, it might have been not a physical thing that brought, uh, I mean, caused his uh, heart to stop working, but I think it might have been a spiritual, mental anguish. That uh, the same thing that broke Jesus' heart, you know, when uh, he hung on the cross, he did not die because of the physical suffering, but because of the mental anguish and all the sorrow of, of heart when he took upon himself the sin and become sin for us, and he knew the result of sin, and seeing people choosing sin and rejecting him, I think that's uh, that's what uh, I think broke uh, Glenn's heart. And uh, I had a friend visiting from London one day, and he said, kind of, and my daughter was around, said, Nick, I think, uh, you know, if your daughter one day will come to you, you know, all with tattoos on her body and piercing and all that and come say, hey daddy, here I am, you know, I don't want to 
he, uh, you'll die of heart attack. <laughs> I said, yeah, it will be very painful. And uh, I, I mean, that's part of being a Christian. You'll have this sorrow and this kind of uh, suffering, not necessarily physical, but will be mental when we'll see people rejecting Jesus and choosing the world and choosing the broad way that leads to, you know, to uh, suffering and destruction and rejecting Jesus and the narrow way. And uh, the only thing that sustains us is God's grace. So we won't fall and, and die. And uh, I had a little bit of this sorrow when I visited Romania and I talked with two of my best friends. And, you know, we had lots of talks we didn't see in a hard, long time. And then I tried to talk with them about spirituality and God and so forth. One of them was kind of a little bit open, but I couldn't really reason with him. And uh, he, he didn't even want to listen to my arguments about, you know, the Bible, the truth, and so forth. And uh, the other one, uh, he just told me, oh, I have my own personal belief. And when he said personal, it was like building a wall that I couldn't jump or go around and talk anything more. And I felt sorry. I was thinking to ask him, you have your own personal belief about God, but what helped you to form your beliefs? You make your own God from your own perspective, or you accept the biblical account that reveal who God is. And uh, to have the right understanding, I think that's why we need the Bible. And the only... Uh, way of knowing truly who God is, we need the Bible. Because the world is affected by sin, and um, sometimes we cannot understand what's happening in life without having the Bible. And that's what perplexes many minds, because they see, you know, the effects of sin, all the suffering and that, and they blame that on God when he's He's uh, actually, uh, he doesn't have anything with, to do with sin. And actually, he works to remedy and kind of uh, solve the problem of sin. But, you know, uh, that's our problem is uh, when you go, get into this situation you know, say, and you see something that you do not expect, some evil seems to triumph, we get to the wrong conclusion. <laughs> Some of us turn against God or question Him. Some of us are affected by our feelings and uh, and turn bitter and don't want to hear about God. And I think that's a big mistake. And the, the, what we need is uh, is to stay for uh, and understand how God has revealed Himself in the Bible in Jesus Christ, and uh, then we'll have the right understanding about God. Actually, I was talking with some people that were talking about all this. Oh, you know, how do you explain those germs and those bacteria that just destroy life? Those were atheists. And I said, hey, you know, I'll give you an explanation you might not like. And I quote the Bible. <laughs> when Christ was talking about the wheat and tares, he said about tares that an enemy has done that. And so I said, you know, all this, an enemy has done it. Is not God. Uh, and that's why it's very hard because in situation, a situation of crisis, you know, Satan tends up and we start questioning. Uh, you know, God might have let the evil kind of triumph, but when you look on the whole picture, actually, 
God's working to do some and bring some good and uh, blessing from the, those situations. And um, if you look at God's character, you know, he's creator, he sustains life, and he uh, heals and all that, and he's not anywhere kind of causing suffering. But, you know, nowadays many people have their theology kind of messed up, and you hear people, oh, God bless me with cancer. No, it's not God behind cancer. <laughs> you cannot blame it on God. Maybe God brought something good out of that, but uh, you cannot say God is the cause, basically, or even make that impression that my God be that. Actually, uh, there's a Bible verse, I don't have it, that uh, pain and suffering is the result of transgression and all this sickness. And uh, if we will have remained obedient to God, we will not have you know, pain and suffering. That's very clear from the Bible. But um, I, I chose to talk today about how can we deal in those perplexing situations and, and what's the solution. And um, the thing is, uh, when we go through life, I think the key is to have a good prayer life. You know, when you look at the Christian walk, God speaks to us and reveals himself mostly through the Bible. You know, when you read the Bible, it's actually God's voice speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is there to impress and help you. It's sad we don't spend that much time reading the Bible, trying to understand truth and see how God reveals himself. And, uh, but, you know, to have a two-way communication, we need to talk back to God. And I think that talking back to God is prayer. And that's what we should look at prayer is, you know, you talk with God. And uh, we know from uh, that that's very important. Even Christ, when he was on the earth, he prayed uh, very much. The Bible records talks about Christ spending the whole night in prayer. And... Uh, Many times he was in praying for, to the Father. And if you look at the life of the great people, all of them, I'm sure they had a very uh, close talk with the Lord through prayer. You, lit, you read about Luther when he was facing you know, the, the world almost trying to crush the Reformation, that he will spend about three day, three hours a day in prayer. And uh, actually, he said, oh, I have so many problems and so time that I cannot start without at least spending a few hours in prayer. And I think that's what we should learn also. When we are very busy, then we should try to make time to pray because... Uh, you know, when the stress, but of course, you know, you said, oh, I have so many things to do, I don't have. The reality is this one, I think prayer will help you to deal with the stress better. And when you are uh, under stress and pressure, you know, you, you kind of cannot really get things, almost anything done. And, you're, and so I think prayer will help us too. And the problem is, you know, we don't really know how to pray. And... Uh, you hear in uh, in church and you hear people praying and it seems like, you know, it's just a form and not necessarily 
dialogue we have with God. And I think that's what my sermon today is trying to deal a little bit with this, about how can we become more wise about how to pray and get answers and see those answers and be strengthened in our walk with the Lord. And um, actually, Ellen White calls that a divine science of prayer. And uh, I will try to give you some principles about, it's not a, a, you know, a formula or something, but it's principles that we should apply through prayer. And uh, we look, and uh, our memory verse, I mean, our uh, text for the sermon uh, was from Luke 18, verse 1. And here is what uh, what Luke wrote about one of the parables that Jesus and uh, why did he say that uh, parables? And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. There's two very important points in here. Always to pray and not faint. So these are two. We should be, try to, I mean, we should always Pray and not faint, not get weary about. So those are two principles about. And um, then he gives the parable there, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Uh, talk I fear not God nor regard man yet because this widow troubled me I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she she weary me and the Lord said hear what the unjust judge said and shall not God avenge his own elect which cried day and night unto him Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Here, uh, Christ uses a parable to show by contrast about God's willingness to hear and answer our prayers and our requests. Of course, here this judge was a, a bad judge an unjust judge, opposite of what God is. But even this unjust, because this uh, lady persevered and keep on asking and praying, he answered and did what he, uh, she asked of him. So here are some of the principles we can, some of them from this parable, and some others will just uh, try to illustrate it. Um, first, of the principles is perseverance. This lady, she knows what she wanted. She wanted justice. And uh, she did not give up easily. The same thing with us. It's We have to persevere. When we know that we have a just cause, we will persevere. I mean, in the process, maybe, you know, if we are... Um, maybe mistaken about our just cause, in the process, God will help us to 
see and maybe change. But uh, if we have a cause that we know it needs to be uh, is just, then we have to persevere. And uh, also, it's uh, we did we need not to give up when you see that. Uh, the answer doesn't come right away when we want. I mean, the way it goes like this one. It will help us to build up our desire to have what you ask. The more that, you know, you ask and you don't get it, you know, you say, you, the more you want it, then you'll see uh, that uh, it's necessary for you to have it. And, uh, and also... Uh, There is one principle in when we praise. Uh, you know, we have to make sure that when we ask, we is not necessarily selfishness. Christ have also gave a parable where he talked about somebody receiving some visitor that did not have bread. And he went and asked somebody, a neighbor, for bread. And in a way, Christ used that parable to illustrate the same thing of going to ask. But this person that asked, asked for bread to give to somebody else. So the principle is when you ask God for something, it shouldn't just for ourselves. And it uh, should be to put it to good use some, so some others will be benefited. And this is a principle that was very well illustrated in a way when Christ prayed in John 17. If you have your Bible, let's look a little bit of at what Christ prayed in John 17. And you will see there, there's a little bit about himself. And actually, even when he asks something for himself, was so that others will be benefited. And we'll see how these principles about asking to give to others applies in that. The first, uh, in John 17 is the priestly prayer of Jesus. Uh, he said, Father, uh, uh, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glor glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. So Christ had asked something for himself, that he will be glorified. But in asking for himself, he said, you know, you glorify me so I can glorify you. So he asked for something something to give and glorify God. And uh, it talks then about uh, he, uh, that he did that, he glorified the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, and then he prays for the disciples that they will be one. And also in the, he talks about here about sanctifying himself. Uh, in verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So Christ asked for him to be sanctified, but in the process, the disciples and all the followers will, of Christ will be sanctified. And uh, then he prays for results that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. And verse 21. And also he includes all the believers. And then in verse 26, and uh, 
he said about, you know, the results upon others about what of what Christ had received and done. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may might be in them, and I in them. So here is this principle, if you don't get anything else from the sermon, is this one, you know. We have to pray to get something, but not for ourselves, but so we can benefit others. And this will be, you know, we can, you sh- we should try to apply this principle in everything we ask. You know, we might ask to be a blessing for the Brooklyn to be a blessing. But what will be the, you know, just to stay to ourselves, but so we can reach other people and many others will know God and, and uh, will be glorified, God will be glorified in, in the blessing that he bestows upon Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, if you even look at the, the blessing that God had pronounced Abraham, through Abraham, everybody, God planted the world, all the, uh, the people to be a blessing, will be blessed through Abraham. And uh, that's the principle that we should try to uh, apply in everything we ask. Uh, the second, another principle is uh, prayer doesn't take the place of duty. And, uh, you know, um, you pray for harvest, but you should try to work the field. You don't just sit down and pray. Do everything in your power. And actually, when you pray, there is something Ellen White says then. Do everything in your power to try to answer that, your prayer. How it goes. And this, you know, you ask God to, you know, help you get food. But then you will try to do something to get food. And um, this is, and also, you know, in the process when we pray, uh, God will convict us to our spirit about our need of doing something in our power and not expect God to do something that maybe stays in our uh, ability and uh, we should try to use what God gave us. Another principle is it's, we have to abide in Christ. In, the, in John 15 and verse 7 is a promise. And uh, 15 verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, he shall ask what he will, and it shall be done unto you. So that's the, pr- the principle, is to abide in Christ. You know, in, the, in our process of praying, we have to make, make sure that uh, Christ is in us and uh, we follow him. And uh, the next one, six, I mean one of the principles, we have to show a firm, undeviating trust in God. Of course, there are some things that we ask of God that maybe is not for our best. And in that situation, we have to let God choose for our best. And this is what it comes to healing. All the times we think the best thing to happen when we are sick is to get healed. But uh, sometimes it might not be the best thing to get healed. It was the example of that king, Ezekiah. 
And God said, oh, 15 years and you will die. And, uh, you know, he prayed and, and God added to him 15 years. And he resisted many times and was staying faithful. And, of course, one of the most dangerous uh, temptation is pride. And uh, he fell on that when, uh, you know, uh, toward the course, the end of his life. And uh, because of pride, you know, he, uh, he fell. We don't know what will happen to him. But, uh, but so we have to show a firm, undeviating trust in God. Um, and here is a, something from Christ's object lesson. God does not say, ask once and you shall receive. He bids us ask. Unwearingly persist in prayer. The persistent asking brings the petitioner into a more earnest attitude and gives him an increased desire to receive the things for which he asks. So this is uh, one of the things that uh, we should we should show a firm, undeviating trust. And uh, the more you pray, the closer you'll get to God and you will uh, be more happier when you have the answer. We have to have faith. Faith is the condition, one of the conditions. Faith that, first of it, Christ, uh, I mean, God hears your prayers. And this is a test that you cannot use your senses. Oh, God, had a, you cannot rely. We have to trust and have faith that God promised he will hear your prayer. And the, uh, another thing that is, uh, we shouldn't just ask God for the big things when you, have, you are in troubles. We are, uh, we are kind of counsel to in everything with prayer and supplication, make your uh, needs and uh, requests of God, uh, known to God. So basically in everything we should. You know, the sad part is when uh, we, we usually, when we get in trouble, when we have a hard situation, we go and ask to God. But I think in every little things, God will give us and help us to. And he's not a burden if we ask, you know, he's, he keeps the universe in, uh, you know, functioning. But on the other hand, he heals every hour, little things we ask of him, and he will answer in his own way and help us. So keep even your little things with God. Actually, you know, life is made of little things. If you look at the small decision, what should I do today? Should I read a book or watch a nonsense uh, Hollywood movie? You know, if we will ask, God will tell us what's our best. And we'll shut up, shut, turn off the TV. <laughs> I'm sure God will help us to, to do that. And uh, actually, you know, uh, there is a promise. You know, many of us read the story of Solomon. That God appeared to him in a dream and asked, Ask what you should receive of me. And uh, Solomon kind of had a good request. The Lord liked what he asked. And he asked for, for what? He asked for wisdom. So, God might not appear to us in a dream telling us, what do you want? But there's a promise. Uh, if you 
can turn with me in James. But it's on the condition. James chapter 1. There's a promise that everyone can claim it. And uh, actually, uh, the condition is for us to, uh, to uh, accept we have. Uh, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraid it not. And it shall be given him. So, if you lack wisdom, God will give it to you. Of course, if you think you are too smart, you will not ask. But if you accept that you don't know what to do in a perplexing situation, God will, the promise is, he will give it to you. How will he answer that prayer? That's very important. Maybe you have to do your homework also and study what God said about how to deal in that situation. That's very important, you know. Uh, don't expect necessarily a miracle when it's something you can do to, uh, you know. Maybe uh, ask him to direct you where you can find the answer and he will give it to you. And uh, actually this one leads us to our uh, next principles. Take the word of Christ as your assurance. That's one of the keys. We have to know God had promised that to ask of something. And that's why we need to study more to make sure that what we ask of God is in accordance with what he said he'll give it to us. Many of us just rely on somebody else or something, and we go and don't look at maybe it's a promise that it's conditional and we don't fulfill the condition, so God cannot fulfill it. In a way it goes, you know, when God makes a promise and it's conditional, it's our part to make sure we fulfill the condition. And if we go and ask God to do something and we don't fulfill, then it's presumption. And we ask God to do an injustice. I mean, the reality, like with this promise, you know, uh, somebody that thinks he has wisdom, he will not go and ask of God. But he will, that knows that he lacks wisdom, he can go ashore. And actually the condition, it's basically the prayer request, you know. I don't have wisdom in this. And if we are honest, we lack lots of wisdom regarding spiritual things. How will they affect us? How, you know, um, especially we, when uh, we are so carnal, uh, we need uh, God's wisdom. Uh, one other principle is we have to admit our unworthiness. God will not give us because we are good or something, but uh, because he is good and we should appeal to that. And uh, also the, uh, God will give us as much as we need and we can handle. And uh, in Philippians 4.19, there's a good promise that uh, all our needs will be supplied according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 19. It's a very good promise. that. Uh, but uh, we have to be careful, though, because here it says, 4, 19. But my God shall supply all your wants, needs, according uh, to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
So here is a wonderful promise. Uh, he will supply all our needs according to his riches. And uh, everything in the universe is owned by him. So he has all the riches necessary. Amen. And we know he's uh, willing to give us all this if we will just get closer to him. Um, I'd just like to uh, end up with a few... Uh, <coughs> Very wonderful thoughts that uh, Ellen G. White had uh, gave it about prayer. And uh, in the, the book Education, she said about what we should make sure we can ask and will receive for sure. So these are not conditional. Uh, in a way, it's you will get it. For the pardon of sin, for the Holy Spirit, for a Christ-like temper, for wisdom and strength to do his work, for any gift he has promised, we might ask. Then we are to believe that we receive and return thanks to God that we have received. So even the gifts that he has promised, he will give it to us. Some people will say, oh, but you know, but it's rude to ask for a gift. I, I, I go and ask my wife, buy me a gift. <laughs> but here it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. So when you want to do God's work, you know, I ask you to help me, you know, get this message across. And maybe God sees fit to give you the gifts of tongues. Or maybe send you a translator or something. God will fulfill his promise. But the, also, there is a condition here that uh, uh, to do his work, that's what should be our main focus. And when you have a prayer life, you will see that, you know, your life is hid in Christ. And then you identify yourself with Christ, and you see that Christ is in the work of saving the world. And uh, then uh, he will give all the promise to get the, the job done. Actually, uh, in his prayer in John 17, uh, Christ had uh, prayed the Father that uh, the disciple will have something. Uh, in verse 13, And now I come, uh, come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So this is Christ's wish for us, that we will have his joy fulfilled in, our, in ourselves. And if you research and see what was the joy that Christ had, was to see people saved because of what he did. And we will have the same desire to be a, a part of making others to receive what Christ had uh, gave it to us. And uh, there's another, it's a negative one, but... Uh, it refers to that principle about not being selfish in our prayers. No one prays a right who seeks a blessing for himself alone. In, in the month of, thoughts from the month of blessing. So when we ask for a blessing, try to be as Christ. And, you know, through our blessing, others will benefit. And uh, as many as possible. And because, you know, Christ and God wants to... Save everyone and be in his kingdom. Not many will accept that, but uh, we have to uh, try to reach everybody. Okay, one more thought. Um, actually, will be two more. 
I still have five minutes, so I'll just... Uh, let the glorious conception of God possess your mind. Your, let your life be knit by hidden links to the life of Jesus. He who commanded the light to shine out of darkness is willing to shine in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will take the things of God and show them unto you, conveying them as a living power into the obedient heart. Christ will lead you to the threshold of the infinite. You might behold the glory behind the veil and reveal to man the sufficiency of him who ever liveth to make intercession for us. And um, just to illustrate a little bit about this need of prayer, and uh, we have to learn to pray more intelligent, and that, and this is the key that will help us. You know, when you look at uh, what we can do, we will be discouraged. I think we have to look more at what God can do, and the prayer will be the key to work. Uh, and intercede for others so can God can work in their lives. I chose here, I started reading uh, recently the letters which Ellen White wrote. And uh, I find a letter that she wrote when, uh, you know, Ellen G. White had, I think, four or five kids, but only two have grown to be, um, uh, you know, uh, adults. And um, one of the some was a good, uh, I think, A.T. White was. uh, But the other one, Edson, was kind of the prodigal son. And I just read here a letter what she wrote after he was converted. And uh, she wrote in that letter the the story of the conversion of the son. And um, the letter is written uh, in... uh, 1876 is letter one, 1876. And here, it's a letter she wrote it to her husband, James White. And here is what she says. And it's very, I mean, for me, I hope uh, you'll get a blessing as I, and as I get about the importance of prayer and that we should uh, pray more. So she wrote this letter in March 31st, 1876. So 150 some years ago. Dear husband, or maybe 40 some years ago. Last night I visited Edson. Went to his house at 7 and remained until half past 9 o'clock. So she spent two hours and a half with her son. I talked with him plainly, but kindly, but his feelings were very strong that he had been misused. No mercy had been shown him when he left the office, although he had acknowledged his wrong. I saw that he was making no headway and be bowed in prayer. Basically, you know, he might have did did some mismanagement with the work of Ender. And she continues, I felt from the first fastened with entreaty and earnest pleading upon God. Still no break. I pray over Edson, but his heart seemed unbroken. 
I then decided to spend the night in prayer. The night in prayer. Are we ready to do that for those that don't know God? For our help could come from God alone. I had prayed five times and Edson four. He come, he coming a little nearer the point every time. The last time he broke all to pieces. He made an entire surrender to God and such earnest pleadings and entreaties I have seldom heard. He then prayed again and again and seemed to be in agony of spirit, confessing his wrongs broken in spirit. His tears freely mingled with his prayers. The room seemed to be lighted up with the presence of God. Edson then prayed for Emma, that was his wife. He got his arm around her and made his prayers to God with his resolves that they will seek God daily and earnestly watch against the temptation of Satan. He put his arms around me and talked and prayed and wept. Salvation indeed had come to that house. He then accompanied me home. I did not sleep much last night and fell worn this morning, but very thankful that we broke through the cloud of darkness last night and obtained the victory. I was determined not to give over the struggle till victory came. I never saw Edson so deeply exercised before and so sensible of his danger and weakness. But it did seem that I, ha- I must succumb to the powers of darkness. I had spent many hours in prayer to God for Edson be- before I visited him. And then she continues, Edson will probably write to you. I hope you will show a readiness to help him and encourage him, for he has, a, he has had a sore, hard, trying time, but tried to brave it through. The Spirit of God filled the room where we were. It was indeed a light place. We had a card from you yesterday that was old, stating that you will reach such and such a place. But here there are a few points from here, what she wrote. Before she went and talked with her son, she spent many hours in prayer before he visited him. And then another point I like to... uh, I talk with him plainly. That's very hard today. Especially if we have a strange child or a relative or something. It's very hard. They will don't want to talk with you, but maybe we can corner them and, you know, talk with them. Of course, we have to spend many hours before we do that in prayer. That's what Ellen, Ellen White did before she went to talk with her brother. And for me, now I realize more and more. I wasted time trying to reason with people just to convince them, but it doesn't work. It's just God's uh, kind of answer to our prayers and working in people's life that will bring some results. So maybe let's resolve that we will try to pray more about those things that bother us and get closer to God, you know, by knowing his promises. And, uh, and, and of course, um, I hope that uh, you will study more about and apply at least that principle. When you pray, maybe analyze your prayers and see I'm just praying for myself, it's just for me, or 
I want to have somebody else blessed by God helping me. And uh, I know, for me, one day I analyzed my prayers. <laughs> you know, I was just watching movies back in the times when I was still watching movies. And when I kneeled down, you know, I just, you know, like a Christian, you are supposed to pray before you go to bed. And I was trying to talk with the Lord, and I, I didn't make any sense. And I, I said, hey, just concentrate to what to pray. You don't see, you don't pray here anything intelligent. But then I analyzed what happened. Why couldn't I pray? And I realized those movies, they messed up my imagination, my feelings, and I cannot have a good dialogue with my, my, my Lord. And I start questioning the movie, and I jump to my own conclusion, and I don't regret it at all. So maybe uh, we should analyze our prayers. You know, it's nothing bad. What did I ask for? What if the Lord will answer my, will that be a good thing? Will you be surprised? I think the more we exercise and we, the more we learn, the, the better we will get to know God. And I think uh, that's the key to have results. And, uh, you know, when you pray for something, think, uh, is this just a blessing for myself or is it somebody else? And if you look at, you know, when God will bless you, the blessing will spread around. But you have to be aware and more and not just ask for something for yourself. So my idea is this one. Uh, let's make uh, an intelligent des- decision that we will study more about and get more closer to the Lord. And the way we'll do that, to talk with him. And prayer is the key. Of course, one of the temptations of Satan is that, oh, God doesn't hear prayers and doesn't answer them. But that's a lie. We have to stand by faith and see, you know. God answers prayer and uh, he promised and he's not too busy and to occupy to hear even the little request. I hope uh, you'll have a successful prayer life and uh, you'll get better at and uh, closer to God through that. Amen.